0: Have you ever just sat on a bench, watching the waves crashing into the shore and retreating back out to sea? Have you noticed driftwood or shells being dragged back out, not knowing where they would end up next? Every morning I sit here, looking out into the ocean where the grey sky meets the dark water on the horizon. I wait, wait to see one of them wash in with the tide, drifting up onto the hard-packed sand. As soon as I see them, I run from my position, grabbing them and dragging their limp bodies further up the beach, laying them to rest in the soft sand near the brush-filled dunes. That's when I set to work. It's a ritual I've performed since I was a child, being trained by my father, just like his father did for him. I look down at the naked body, always different, sometimes a man, sometimes a woman, ranging from a younger adult to decrepit and old. Some have been thin, some obese. Once the drifter was missing a leg, making the ritual difficult to perform in its entirety. I make do, though. I lay them on their backs, feet facing land and head to the water, their arms stretched out to their sides in a crucifix position. I know I have to work quickly before they wake up. I've never had the misfortune of seeing it before, but I've been told stories of what happens if they wake before the ritual is complete. The entire island could be erased in the blink of an eye generations of work my bloodline all for naught. i'm getting distracted sorry the ritual while in the crucifix position i start the runes beginning with each hand and foot i carve the same sequence going inward towards the body from the tips of the fingers and toes moving counterclockwise from the left hand to the feet and finishing with the right hand the work is methodical My knife moves with a determined precision, honed with twenty years of practice. Their blood flows blue, staining the sands with an almost neon hue. A scent of ammonia lingers with it. When every limb is being carved, I start at the top of the head, moving from the small bump in the middle of their forehead down toward the chest. They bleed much more when I get to the neck, as one of the runes must cut right across the jugular. Their blood sprays, leaving a shower on the surrounding sand. Some days it mixes with the drizzle of rain, creating a bluish mist that floats across the beach. Finally the runes are finished. The ritual is almost complete. I lay my knife down and wipe my hand across the drifter's throat, making sure I have enough blood to finish. I swipe their blood across my own forehead, leaving a horizontal line above my eyes, then drawing a vertical line under each of my eyes. This is my war paint. I alone stand against these terrors, protecting my island community, and by extension, the world. The preparations are done. I pick up the knife once more and walk to meet the crashing waves, the final step. My hand dips under the salt water, opening with my palm up. The waves crash in, and as soon as they begin to be pulled back to the sea, I swipe the knife across, letting my own blood flow freely and mix with the water. This is the final offering. The plea to whatever gods rule over the sea to end this monstrosity and keep us safe. The salt water stings as I bring my hand back up, the cold air adding to the pain. My feet slide across the sand as I walk back to the drifter. Lifting the knife, still dripping with the mix of my blood and salt water, I plunge it into the middle of the drifter's chest, into the diaphragm, The same reaction every time, their eyes snap open, a final, desperate gasp for air, all in vain. I've severed the muscle that allows them to draw breath. They slowly drown as whatever blood is left in them fills their lungs, screaming curses in a language I don't understand. When the ritual is done and the last spasms go through their bodies, I grab a can of gasoline and the herbs I keep in a small shack on the beach, I douse the body setting it alight, and throwing the herbs on top. Like sage for cleansing spirits, the bundle of lavender and catnip smolders, sending wisps of their scent through the air. With this, the drifter is cleansed, and the island safe once more. I head back to the village, taking the beaten path carved into the brush by the generations before me. I exchange nice pleasantries with others as I pass by. They thank me for what I do, protecting us from the drifters, I simply nod, telling them it's my duty, nothing more. I make my way to the village square, heading into the courthouse at the other end. Briggs, our mayor, is waiting for my daily report. He looks up from the papers he's signing as I walk into the room. Raleigh, how are you today? Any happenings at the shore? He shuffles the papers aside and leans back in his seat, motioning to the chair across from him. I sit down in the stiff, leather chair, hearing it squeak under me. There was one, older male. They're coming more often these days. This is the third this week. When I started twenty years ago, we got one every two weeks or so. Should we be worried, sir? His brow furrowed with worry. He was an older man, at least sixty. He lived on the mainland for a while before coming back to the island in his younger years world weary and in disbelief at what we had to worry about compared to the outside world they knew nothing of the drifters the dangers they posed to our world the heretic god they served well we certainly need to keep an eye on it the records show that more show up preceding times of trouble the earliest we have on record preceded the black plague they were at an average of two drifters per day with the highest number being five washing up at once Your post was manned by five watchers around the clock, making sure none went uncleansed. We must be vigilant. Make sure this doesn't become a problem like then. Do you think there could be something terrible on the horizon? I asked. I was the only one trained in the ritual. My father had me to help when he was his age, and his father and brothers before him. But I was alone. I had taken no wife, had no children, and my only brother was killed as a child. If they began washing up more often, I was the only defense. As of yet, there's no way to tell. We simply must pay attention. Find someone from the village that shows promise. Take them to be trained. You may need help. He answered, waving me off. I got up to walk out. Rally? I turned back, giving him a questioning look. He dug around in his desk drawer before withdrawing a long, thin blade in a black scabbard. He pulled the blade out of the sheath by a few inches, showing me a startlingly pristine edge with the runes I used inscribed on it. He sheathed it again and handed it over to me. This has been handed down from elder to elder. If the time comes when there are too many, use this. It allows the ritual to be bypassed. I bowed and thanked him as I took the saber. In all my research and learning about my position, I had never heard of this. We had always been told the ritual was the only way. I headed out and back to my house, lost in thought as I walked. I was shaken from my daydreaming by screaming coming from down the path, the direction of the shore. Rally! Rally! Val, one of the village teenagers. She was shouting for me in a panicked voice, fear rising to overtake any other emotion. Quick! You have to go to the shore! What's going on? I stopped her as she ran up, panting for breath. She leaned over and grabbed her knees, gasping. Another one. A drifter. Some of the kids were playing in the water and it washed up, she wheezed. Ah, shit. I didn't even wait for her to finish. When she said drifter, I took off, sprinting with all the energy I had. They never washed up past noon, rarely ever after daybreak even. Two in one day? This is bad. If one wakes up while I'm not there, ruin would follow. Thankfully, it wasn't too far to the shore. As I passed over the dunes, I saw the children gathered around it. The drifter this time appeared to be a woman, old and covered in wrinkles. One of the children had a stick of driftwood they were using to poke at it, nudging it as the waves lapped around. Stop! I shouted, waving my arms as the children continued poking. They looked toward me, a quizzical glint in their eyes. Get the hell away from it! It happened in slow motion. The drifter's eyes opened. Their unearthly green hue, like emeralds reflecting a blue sea, shined through the haze. I saw the sharp teeth bare themselves and the hands reach for the nearest child. Long claws tore skin and red blood mixed with ocean spray. I heard the boy scream in pain before turning to a low gurgle as blood filled his throat instead. I wasn't thinking. Instinct took over and I drew the blade I had just been given. The runes reflected the grey sky, the sharp edge of the blade shining like the sea. I jumped at the drifter and plunged the blade between its neck and shoulder, stabbing downward through the chest and into the gut. It let out a high screech and the wind around picked up, intense howling echoing the drifter's cry. The ocean churned in response, sea foam churning into madness where calm, small waves were before. Die! I screamed. I plunged my hand down into the wound, covering it in blood and painting my face with it. I withdrew the sword, quickly slicing my palm and dipping it into an incoming wave. The drifter screamed again. Clouds moved in, erasing any light that was left. The weather turned from a gray morning to a small hurricane in moments. I knew this had to end quickly. In one deft movement, I stabbed upward bringing the blade out of the water and impaling the creature right in target the screams died out along with the wind peace had returned to the shoreline i sat there for a moment collecting myself before turning to look at the gore mixed with ocean the poor boy his throat torn out had passed i took him in my arms and carried him up to dry sand before going back and gathering the drifter's body i covered the boy with my coat and the creature with gasoline I wanted it to feel the flames of hell. I sat and watched it burn for a while, long after the local doctor had come and taken the boy, his mother screaming in grief as she watched. I couldn't come up with words to say I was sorry. I was supposed to protect these people. I was the one that should be dead. When the last ashes had fizzled out, I still remained, thinking to myself what could be done to prevent this from happening again. I didn't know. It would only get worse from there. There were two more this morning. I was waiting, watching the sea thrash and roll. I'm not sure when I drifted off. The same nightmare that kept me up the night before covered me again, leaving me in fits. I saw the boy's corpse lying in the waves, blood being pulled out with the sea foam, Suddenly the clouds started rolling in, wind whipping up sand and spray. I saw lightning flash down the shoreline and felt the thunder boom in my chest immediately after. Something was coming. The waves grew taller, with each one that crashed to the shore. When I looked closer I saw that it wasn't just water hitting the shore. Drifters, hundreds of them, all tangled into each other in the waves, piling on top of each other as they hit the shore, Levees made of bodies started to block the waves. And suddenly the sky opened above me. The wind stopped. The ocean calmed. The drifters lay in their piles, sleeping like the dead. The eye of the storm. Just as soon as it started, it was over. A and I snapped at me at once. Their screams layered each other, creating an unholy chorus as they awoke and began flooding inland. Right before the flood... I caught a glimpse of the horizon, gray clouds mired above rolling waves. Through the rain and wind, I could see something moving against the sky, wading through the depths of the water towards my home. I had seen pictures of skyscrapers, and this dwarfed them. Just as it began to become clear through the sheets of rain, a bolt of lightning struck in front of it. I woke with a start, jumping from the sand and looking in the direction it had been. The flood was gone. The day was gray. But still, just a dream. I shook the sleep from my eyes and resumed my vigil. I spotted one washing in with the waves. Male, middle aged, other than the bump in the middle of their forehead and the long claw like nails, he could have passed for a normal islander. I set to work and was almost done with the carving when I heard a voice from behind me. There's another one. I looked up, startled. Nobody else came out here this early. After what happened, I didn't think anyone would ever come here again. I was surprised even more to see that it was Vale, now nodding towards the shore away to my left. I followed her gaze and saw another motionless form crumpled there, sea foam washing over. Damn it all, I muttered. Time to kill two birds with one stone. I left the one I was working on and walked over to the new arrival. Before grabbing this one, I dunked my hand into the water, and sliced my palm, completing this part of the ritual ahead of time. As I began to drag the body back towards the first drifter, a veil ran up and grabbed the other arm, helping me along. It wasn't your fault, you know, she said, grunting with exertion. I was nearby when they found it. I should have told them to get away before I came to get you. I didn't even think they would do something like that. Don't blame yourself, I replied letting go of the new drifter and kneeling down next to the first. I took out my knife and plunged it into the diaphragm. The piercing scream began, then died out quickly. The new drifter didn't stir. If they're showing up more often, then you're going to need help, she said again, still watching as I doused the first one and struck a match. Teach me, I can handle it. I didn't answer her, but threw the match down and started carving the new drifter. Small sizzles could be heard as ocean spray and light rain hit the burning body. I could still feel Vale's eyes on me, intently watching my hands work the knife through skin, carving my legacy in a living canvas. When the runes were done, I beckoned for her to follow me to the water. She stood beside me as waves lapped over our feet. I looked out at the grey sky and rolling sea, remembering the moment my father brought me out here, how he had carved the runes, then walked me out to the water. Have you ever lost someone, Vale? I asked her. She seemed taken aback by the question at first. and looked down at the water as she pondered it. You knew my mother, she said. You know I lost her. You didn't know your mother. She died giving birth to you. Have you ever lost anyone you truly knew and loved? I shot back. Then... No, I... I guess I haven't." I sighed and unholstered my knife, turning toward her. "'If you take this on, you'll be losing someone you love. Maybe more than one. That's what we give up in order to protect the island. Are you prepared to take that on?' She seemed scared. I couldn't really blame her. She saw the aftermath of what happened yesterday. She knew what we would be dealing with. But underneath the fear there was a desperation desperation to prove her strength and protect others. I am, she finally answered, after staring out at the forming waves. What do I have to do? You're not of my bloodline, but there are certain cases where others can be allowed in to take over. I looked down at my hand, the cut already clotted with blood. I swept the knife across to reopen it. Come, we have to go further out. When we were waist deep in the water... I handed her the knife. "'Cut your palm and hold it open,' I said. She winced as the sharp edge of steel sliced her hand. The blood flowed quickly, dripping into the water and leaving a red cloud. I held my hand above hers, making a fist and squeezing, so a trickle of blood fell into her cut. I then opened my own palm, placing it flat on hers so our cuts aligned, and took her hand under the water. She drew a deep breath in through her teeth, as the salt water hit open flesh, but composed herself quickly. I, Rally Karras, to hereby pass my bloodline onto Vale Jensen. Having no living children and having taken no life, I realize that any day my bloodline may die, and our cleansing end. Vale has offered herself as a tribute to the ocean, pledging to protect the island, and all inhabiting it from the drifters and the heretical gods they serve. Do you accept this duty, Vale? Yes, she replied. I motioned for her to walk further into the water, letting go of her hand. She looked at me, asking, How far? Until the sea takes you, I replied. She nodded, walking further. About ten meters out, she was completely engulfed, going under the water. She came up moments later, walking back to my position. Her usually wild, curly hair was now limp, and soaked around her shoulders. She shined with a new purpose as she rejoined me. You are aware that with this acceptance, you may never leave the island, being the first and last defense against the unknown. You know that the ocean requires a heavy toll for your service, and the power bestowed upon you. Do you still accept? I hoped she would say no, but knew in my heart she couldn't. It was the same feeling I had, thinking back to when I took the oath. My father standing in my place. Once you had the notion to take on this duty, it never left you. Yes, she said again. The vale Jensen, by my power and authority, being the last remaining of my bloodline, I surrender you to the sea. Today you are born anew in the salt and brine of the ocean. I withdrew my hand from the water, turning my fingers down so the mix of salt water and blood coated my fingertips. I drew the rune of rebirth on her face, a clockwise spiral ending in a smaller spiral, spinning counterclockwise from the center, the ever-flowing dichotomy of life in the sea. I swear to serve you with my life, she replied, giving a small bow. We'll start your training tomorrow, I told her. For now, I will finish this ritual. You will walk back to the village and stand in the square until I return. Tell anyone that asks you. You are now my apprentice. Yes, sir, she said, walking back up the beach. I sighed as she left, taking myself back up to where the newest drifter lay on the sand. I kneeled next to it, hafting my knife once more. I placed it above the diaphragm, one hand holding it steady, while the other was poised above it, ready to thrust downward. I bowed my head, closing my eyes, and whispering a prayer. Protect her. Let me be the father to her. I could never be to my own daughter. I muttered. My hand raised up, tensing at the expectation of pain when I hit the knife handle. I was more surprised to feel the hand on my wrist as it moved downward. My eyes snapped open to see the drifter grabbing on, holding my hand back. Our numbers are infinite, it said. We serve." and we will be rewarded. We will devour you, drown you in the blood of your loved ones. We are vast as the ocean and relentless as the waves. We will break you. The pure hatred in its eyes terrified me. I had never seen anything like it. The pure dripping spite, it bore through my skin and into my soul. It despised me, and that cold, unfeeling stare almost seemed to freeze the entire world. I forced myself to move as it opened its mouth wide to scream, making the wind pick up and clouds go dim. My other hand plunged the knife in. Its screams turned to wet gurgles as it drowned, choking on blood. I fell back in the sand, shaking. After what seemed like eternity, I pulled the knife from its chest and got the gas and herbs, beginning the final step of cleansing. I didn't stay to make sure the fire was put out, but instead rushed back up the path to the village, stopping at the first person I saw. "'Hello, Rally. Anything I can do for you?' he said. I didn't remember his name, but recognized him from the butcher shop in town. "'I need you to go to the shore and keep watch. If any wash-up, come get me. I'll be speaking to Briggs in his office.' He looked at me quizzically, not quite understanding why I wouldn't want an untrained person watching the shore.' I ended up losing my temper. Just go. He tore off up the path, leaving a dust cloud behind him. I rushed into the square, grabbing Vale, who was standing in the middle, chatting with some of the village women who were congratulating her. We barged into the office to Briggs' surprise. Rally, you didn't tell me you had chosen an apprentice already. I should have had final appro- I cut him off before he finished. What the hell is happening, Briggs? "'I shouted, causing both him and Vale to wince in return. "'One of those damn things grabbed me and freaking spoke! "'They've never spoken before!' "'His eyes grew wide. "'I could see Vale bring a hand to her mouth next to me. "'Briggs sat back in his chair, "'reaching into a drawer and pulling out a tall bottle "'filled with dark amber. "'He produced three glasses from the same drawer "'and started pouring. "'I'm sorry for overstepping your authority,' he said, raising the glass to his lips and sloshing half of it down his shirt from shaking hands. I had hoped this wouldn't have happened while I was in charge. Guess I hoped for too much. He drained his glass, then got up and walked over to a portrait on the wall, pulling the portrait up and setting it down on the floor. He revealed a safe behind it. He opened it and pulled out a large, leather-bound book, yellowed with age. The next item he revealed was an old flintlock pistol. Everything you'll need to know is in there, he said, motioning to the book. I'm sorry. But this? It's just too much. He raised the gun to his temple and cocked the hammer. I barely had time to grab Vale and avert her eyes when he pulled the trigger. Warm blood and sharp skull fragments sprayed over us.